This episode of the Total Soccer Show is brought to you by The Athletic, who would like to remind you that it's a bad idea to miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented time in sports. Uh, with that in mind, we have the Champions League resuming in August. Not starting in August, but resuming in August. We have not yet finished last season's Champions League. We obviously will uh, over the next month or so. At The Athletic right now, there are 10 stars to watch in the Champions League and it's not the usual suspects. The UK uh, staff at The Athletic have sort of compiled 10 players that you probably know but don't know as much about. Or, or in the case of Papu Gomez, you should know all about because he is the best. Uh, but you can go and read that one right now. You can read many other articles because they've got lots of great content. Uh, if you go to theathletic.com slash totalsoccer, you can receive 40% off an annual subscription. Go to theathletic.com slash totalsoccer for 40% off an annual subscription. We hope to see you there. And thanks to The Athletic for sponsoring today's show. And welcome to the Total Soccer Show. I am Taylor Rockwell. And today, for I think the first time ever, I believe I'm talking to Adam Bells, at least solo, at least on this program. It's a landmark day. Adam, I'm assuming you're planning to celebrate in the traditional way, which is to get extremely deep on the U.S. men's national team pool. Does that sound good for you? Sounds great, Mr. Rockwell. Nice to be here. Yeah. Am I correct in saying that this is the first time you and I have done a solo version of this show at the very least? Yeah, I've always been I've always been under Daryl's wing. And now <laughs> I'm, I'm spreading my own wings and joining you. His wing is calmer and more and more British. Mine is a bit more erratic and feathers all over the place, I think. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, I, it is to the point where like I, I almost wrote you a message like six months ago being like, hey, I promise there's no beef or anything like that. It just always is. I think Daryl really enjoys talking to you. I think you bring out really good ideas and Daryl enjoys having that sort of back and forth with you about the national team pool and the players therein that I think he just kind of he goes to you. You're one of his go to interviews. And then, and then there was a moment when I was like, I probably need to talk to him before somebody's like, do they not like each other? Is there some weird silent beef we don't know about? So as far as I know, there is not. We're, are, no beef. Can, no beef right, on no my beef, end. No beef. All right, cool. I mean, Daryl's like, Daryl's like our, he's the godfather of scuffed, as I've said before. I mean, he, I, I, the first time I was ever on a podcast was when I messaged him and said, you want to do an uh, episode about left backs wow. in the U.S. men's national team pool? And he was like, yeah, let's do it. So. That not he one started, part of he, that is surprising to me now that I think about it. He started the whole thing. He started the whole thing. <laughs> um, well, speaking of left backs, they featured sort of prominently in the show that you all just did, which was a, correct me if I'm wrong, a three-person draft of U21 national team players who have not yet been capped at the senior level. Is that a fair way to describe the draft? Yeah, I actually said that on the podcast. It was U23. Oh, it was U23. I apologize. But, all right. Yeah. So... In that draft, you did not take Richie Ledesma early, and I and I'm sort of now convinced that that's a a code for like there's you're under duress, there's an intruder in the house, and that's how you're letting everybody know. Are you okay? Is there something wrong, or was it just that you prioritized other positions in that draft? Well, honestly, I pr- prioritized center back because I looked at the list of available center backs, and there was uh there w- the list was short, and it I seemed was that way taking the third pick. Um. But you know, as 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 people on Twitter know, Sanjeev he waited until the last round to pick center backs, and he still won the poll for the best team, which is total trash. <laughs> it's trash, America. Uh, he has like he has the worst back line of anybody in the of the three of us, and 
people are saying he's his team's going to win. What are you guys nuts? So what do Come you on. what do you think it was that swayed the voting uh, voting populace? I mean, he had Gio Reyna, Conrad De La Fuente across the the front, and uh, you know, people are children. <laughs> people are children. They can't look past that. Let me ask you this and about those center backs. So you take Abubakar Keita, and there was almost, I think, stifled laughter in the background. Are, are we already there with him at this point? Because he was with the Richmond Kickers a couple seasons ago. He seemed okay, but didn't get very many minutes because then he leaves to play in the U-20 World Cup, I think it was. Why was there sort of a surprised reaction when you took him, do you think? I th- uh, I actually don't think it was laughter. I think it was uh, expressions of pain oh, from Wacky. Oh, there we go. Because he was... Uh, I mean, he he can correct me if I'm wrong about that, but I think it was he was like, "Dang it, there's no more center backs mm-hmm. left." Um, but yeah, Kada's you know Kada's definitely not the finished product. But if you look at some of the other center backs in that list, if you want to, that he's he 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 compares pretty favorably actually at this point. Who who With, were your who were your two center backs then? You took I had uh, Kata and was it dang Sands? it, I can't remember. I had Sands as a defensive midfielder. Oh, Owen Otisoe, the, the Wolverhampton Wolves. That's right. Uh, prospect. Yeah. yeah. I have questions about him later on. But for now, my final question about your draft. Um, so there's three of you drafting. You're picking a starting 11. So we're at like 33 players. That's a lot of players. At what point in there do you feel like you were going from these players should be getting uh, call-ups to the national team or will be getting call-ups to these players might be to I've got to round out my starting 11. Was there a line in there, do you think, when you start running into the players that maybe are more reaches than they are certainties? Yeah, man. I mean, we discussed this a little bit off-air, but I've I've been forced to become more humble about projecting the future of players in my two or three years of doing this. So I would say outside of Gio Reyna, I'm not sure there's anybody who I would say with certainty is going to be called up to the national team. Chris Richards, Chris Richards is probably the next best, best, uh, bet, but that everybody there is a reach, mm-hmm. you know, there's, uh, I, everybody in that pool kind of needs to just simmer for a while. And that may be uh, the case with some of the players we're going to discuss in a moment. Uh, with those young players that you were talking about there, is there one, though, going back that made you sort of become a little bit more, not necessarily cynical, but more realistic or maybe made you tone it down a bit? Hmm. The cautionary tale, young player, if you will. Well, the the big cautionary tale for me is Andrew Carlton right now. I was, Dude, I was really call. high on him. <laughs> yeah. I was really high on him after the 2017 U-17 World Cup. Do you remember that performance he yes. put on against Paraguay? Yeah. It was man, good good answer. It, that is a good answer. <laughs> it was a it was like he he was it was a masterclass at the U17 level that he put on in that game. We won 5-0. He was involved in all five goals. But man, it's it's uh he's not looking like a future national team player right now, I don't think. I I saw him play for Columbus uh Colum- no not Columbus. Uh in Charleston. Charleston. Oh, it was Charleston, Charleston way okay. back. Yeah, against the Richmond Kickers and I remember him coming on as a 15-year-old I mean like that he looks like he's 15 in terms of his size. He does not play like a 15-year-old. I was sure he was going to be destined for big things. Not, not not quite the way it's gone so far. So yeah, okay. All right. So I'm with you on Andrew Carlton. I'm wondering what you have to say about some of the players that Daryl and I have previously discussed. Um, we did our sort of fake transfer show in which we talked about some players, some actual rumors, and some rumors we would like to see. 
Uh, I don't really want to get into the rumors necessarily, but I wanted to look at 10 or 11 players and ask you what you think they have done well in maybe the last year or so, and then what you would like to see them do uh, to sort of elevate their game. And I'd like to start with Weston McKinney. Uh, I had Carl Anka on the show last week. He wasn't impressed by Weston McKinney and the potential move to uh, Southampton. He thought he wasn't as good on the ball as Ralph Hasenhutl might like. He thought he wasn't as good in terms of his passing as Hasenhutl might like. Do you agree with that sentiment? Or do you think Weston McKinney is sort of at the level right now where he could come in and be a consistent performer for a team like Southampton? I think it's a little, it'd be a little bit of a risk for Southampton if they're looking for absolute consistency on the ball. Um, so I'd agree with your guest on that, on that front. I just think he, so I think we see what we see with McKinney is he can do really good things in spurts, but like he can make incisive passes. He can be defensively alert and sharp. He can carry the ball forward and, you know, spring an attack. He can arrive in the box and score goals. But he needs to do all those things more consistently. And I would just say make every involvement count and and in, increase the number of involvements as a box-to-box midfielder. You know, get on the ball more, be more influential. You know, a lot of people will say, well, that's the reason he hasn't been able to do that is because Schalke has been such a train wreck. And I mean, that is true. But there are a series of discrete actions in a soccer game, right, where players are involved. And McKinney hasn't been consistent enough. Do I think he's not good enough to play for Southampton? I'm not ready to say that. I would love to see him go to Southampton, you know. Uh, You've done an excellent job of anticipating a couple questions because that basically was my counterpoint to Carl is that Schalke have been bad. He's been played in a lot of positions. If you played one position consistently, maybe that allows him to be better. But I think the point there being consistently or consistency, as you said, that probably is the case, that you want to see him be more consistent in what he's doing, putting together more consistent uh, sort of passes of play, sequences of play, games overall, then yeah, then I think maybe I feel a little bit better about that one. Because that is a move that I feel, not necessarily that it's too soon, but I do have more question marks around that one than I thought I would for where he is in his career. So are we saying that maybe he just needs that consistency to, to level up before we feel comfortable with him moving? Or are we okay with him moving and then hoping for that consistency? Yeah, I think... I'm. I would be okay with him moving. I. I think he. He at least at Schalke, he's played for like three or four different managers, and he he manages to impress all of them. Uh, and, Bell's just and on my get, dog, make an appearance briefly, <laughs> and he gets minutes. You know, he gets minutes for everybody. Every every coach they've had. I don't know. I think. I think he also showed more consistency after the COVID break in the Bundesliga this spring than he did before it. So he. In my opinion, he did take a step forward on that front. It's a very subjective statement, and some people would disagree with me. But so I would, I think it'd be cool. I think it'd be cool for him to go go to Southampton. Everybody who plays in the Premier League gets more buzz. There's, uh, you know, LeBron James will pay attention to him, maybe. So I, I, I'm kind of hoping for it, but I'm not going to be sad at all if he stays at uh, if he stays at Schalke because I think he has plenty of room to grow there. What, what If you had to identify like one or two of your favorite things about Weston McKinney that he brings to the national team, whatever they might be, what would they be? I think the, the extremely underrated thing about him is his, uh, his eye for the like surprising pass. You know, he's, he's not, he's not going to be Iniesta and like, and, you know, be super, super clean on the ball and then hit, hit a killer pass. But he can, he can see a runner or he can see somebody like breaking into space and and hit him in stride in a way that I, I 
I don't think Tyler Adams does. I don't even think Jackson Ewell does that in the same way. Like in a like in a moment of transition or a moment of uh, where so, things are kind of messy and then all of a sudden, boom, we're off. Mm-hmm. I think McKenny. That's the thing I like about McKenny's game the most. Obviously, he's really good in the air too. Like he's great on set pieces. He wins everything in the air in the middle of the field. Those are my two things. I like the battle. I like the fight for sure. So he might be going. He might be staying. One player who is very likely staying in Germany would be Chris Richards. I mentioned him earlier. He gets his first appearance for the Bayern senior team this season, but certainly not any level of consistent first team performances. I doubt that happens next season. What uh, would you like to see him do to get himself more minutes to be more consistently in that conversation about could he break into the starting Bayern 11 or is the answer maybe play for a team that isn't Bayern Munich to get some Minutes. I think the answer is to play for a team that isn't Bayern Munich. Uh, this we is saw today. Yep. <laughs> we saw we saw today that he's not going to be in that Champions League uh, squad. The squad for that game against Chelsea. Um, yeah, a two Bundesliga a two Bundesliga club is a perfect place for him to continue to develop his game. He was good. I watched a lot of his games for Bayern reserves this past year. He was good. He's a good defender. He was not dominant. He was not like way above the level. So I think, uh, uh, you know, one of those two Bundesliga clubs that needs a center back is a, is a great next step. If he happens to make it make, get on loan to a, to a bottom table, mid table Bundesliga club, even better. But, um, I do think minutes are the key thing right now for him. When you watch him play for that Byron two side, like, do you watch him differently than you would if he were playing for not necessarily the Byron senior team, but for a senior team in the two Bundesliga or a lower, lower, tier team in the Bundesliga like when he's playing around kind of reserve players younger players do you watch him differently than you would if you were playing against more established veterans and professionals I don't think so I'm you know I'm looking for does he make plus passes with with the ball at his feet and how does he do when he's he's under duress defensively and how does he look when he's under duress defensively looks great like he's he's a really really smart alert intelligent defender and he has the he almost makes it look easy closing down space and and he tackles well the passing is where i think he i think he's a bit overrated by the by the fan base like he doesn't hit a lot of line breaking passes he doesn't hit a lot of um big switches i don't know who who do you think in terms of the center back options for the u.s who are the two best ball playing center backs if you're putting together a pairing that you feel most comfortable building out of the back in possession. I'm assuming John Brooks is in there, but I'm wondering who the other one might be, or if not John Brooks, who would the two be? I think it's Brooks and Ream are the two best passers of our center backs. Unfortunately, they're both left-footed. Yeah. Um, I, I like, we'll, we'll get to him, but I like, I like the way Mark McKenzie passes the ball. We can get to him right now. That was my third player I was going to go to, so why okay. not? Um, yeah, uh, he's been heavily linked with Celtic, getting uh, a decent amount of hype for his performance with Philly. They are now out of the MLS's back tournament. We're going to kind of stay away from the rumors to some extent, but a general question for you is, do you think now would be a good time for him to move? Would you like to see him try potentially greener pastures? And if it's Celtic, literally greener, I would say. <laughs> yeah. I... It's going to be a boring answer, but I kind of think it doesn't matter that much whether he moves or not. He still has room to grow at Philadelphia. I don't know if you watched the game last night, but um, he struggled a little bit defensively against Portland in a 2-1 win for Portland. Mm -hmm. He does, like I just said, 
he hits he hits some beautiful passes with both feet and he likes to play line breaking passes and that that sets him apart i think from most of the other center young center backs in our pool and so i'm i'm very much hoping that he continues to get better at defending and you know maybe becomes a national team center back i mean he he is capped he did get capped in february but really becomes a regular for the national team Hey folks, much more still to come from Mr. Bells, that's what we're calling him now officially, but first I wanted to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Policy Genius. If you are wondering if it is still possible to get life insurance during a pandemic, the answer is that it very much is, and you should probably look into it. Policy Genius is an insurance marketplace built and backed by a team of industry experts. They will help you find the best plan for your needs and then handle all the paperwork and red tape to make sure things go as smoothly as possible, which is what I really do appreciate, because even if I think I can handle a thing, once we get into the red tape and the check this box, if that, but not if that, then this... I can't handle those things. They can. They're trained to do that. So if you hit any speed bumps during the application process, they will take care of everything. They even have policies which allow eligible customers to skip the in-person medical exam and do it over the phone. Also ideal. Uh, so if you need life insurance, head to policygenius.com right now to get started. You could save $1,500 or more a year by comparing quotes on their marketplace. That's policygenius.com. When it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. It's nice to get it right with Policy Genius. It's nice to get it right with Adam Bell's talking U.S. men's national team. Let's get back to that. With McKenzie specifically, when you say you'd like to see him get her get better at defending. You said it better than I did. Um, how, like, what would you like to see him specifically improve or how do you think he could go about improving it? Uh, he looks a little, he looks a little out to sea to me when he's tracking a runner in the box or, you know, things start to break down a little bit. Whereas Chris Richards is like, he can be relied upon to just put out fires. Uh, Mackenzie, Mackenzie's not as good of a fire putter outer. Is that, do I sound like a Spielverlager <laughs> writer right now? I mean, this I is really all very enjoy technical. it. I mean, it's 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 why people love Thomas Thomas Muller because he just comes up with random words on the fly. I think you're just the yeah. new Thomas Muller. That's what I'm saying right now. <laughs> what uh, do you think? What do you think about the Celtic rumor? I mean, is that a good place for him to go? You're you're following that stuff closer than I am. I, I mean. To some extent, I haven't followed the SPL since Rangers went into complete freefall and became Rangers Nuco or whatever they are. When it when it completely went from like a at least it's a two horse race to Celtic are going to win it every single year. I think my uh, enthusiasm for the SPL turned off a little bit. Uh, so like if he wants to go to Celtic and I would assume get better, but maybe in not the most competitive environment and play for a team that are going to be at least somewhat peripherally involved in the Champions League. I think that makes a decent amount of sense, and we've seen it be a springboard for other players. Virgil van Dijk is the big one there. Um, But I think any place where a player is going to be given the sort of time to develop as they need to develop, that also fits with what the manager is looking for. So, for example, the other player I wanted to ask you about to flip it back around, a question back to you. Brendan Aronson getting hype all over the place. I, I think I'm correct in saying that between one and 7,000 teams have scattered him in this tournament. And I'm excited about that. That's great. Like he, he seems very exciting. Everything I've seen from him, there are obviously some things he still needs to develop, but there are certainly aspects of his game that are very, very exciting. But I also, at the same time, am hesitant to say like, yeah, just go to that club, go to that big name club, because I'm much more interested in players going somewhere where their development is the priority. To some extent, like I know Chris Richards is probably 
never going to be a regular starter for Bayern Munich. Maybe he will be, but it's going to take a ton of work and a lot of effort, and it's not a surefire thing. But I think that Bayern are sort of focused on individual development to some extent, and I think that makes him a better player. So mm-hmm. if Celtic are going to do that for Mark McKenzie, I'm fine with that. But my question then for you about Brendan Aronson specifically is, from what you've seen of him with his strengths and weaknesses, what sort of system would you like to see him go to? Not necessarily what team, but like, what do you think would help him sort of like increase the abilities he already has, but then at the same time sort of improve some of the areas of vulnerability? Yeah. I mean, you, you could see, you could see him really thriving. I could see him really thriving in a, a team that has just more quality in it, you know, cause when he gets on the ball, this is the debate right now about Aronson, right? Is he is he not getting on the ball because he doesn't move well, or it doesn't doesn't understand how to find space, or is he not getting on the ball because you know the team isn't set up correctly mm-hmm. to maximize his talents? I don't know the answer to that completely, mm-hmm. but um, I think if he's in a team with like higher quality than like Prish Balilko, I mm-hmm. can't even pronounce his name, the striker for them, uh, or you know the, their wingers are both okay then maybe maybe he gets on the ball more and he can be more influential. I don't know what formation that that looks like, mm-hmm. but just a team that is is better at possessing the ball. And Philly's not terrible, you know. I mean, they're as far as MLS teams go, they're pretty they're pretty decent at possessing the ball, but he's not getting on the ball enough. When he does, he does do good stuff. I mean, we saw that even last night he had a he had a really nice run and an assist that was called back on a like a the the slimmest of margins for offside. I don't know. I think the hype's a little out of control with him right mm-hmm. now. But that's okay. I'm uh, I'm hardly one to throw stones from a glass house when it comes to hyping players. Why do you think he he has become the next like hyped player? Is it just that this is the league that's happening right now and he is exciting in it, or I is it the position? Like, what what do you think it comes down to? I think it's like seventy five percent that he is on TV right now. You know, <laughs> um, but. but but also, you know, he does he does some nice things. I mean, don't you think he does some nice mm-hmm. things on the half turn? He's a he's he's looking to make that killer pass, and he can do it. Um, yeah, I think I think I'm just always sort of. We talked about this a little bit before we started recording. I am just sort of very hesitant to go all in on certain players. Like I'm trying to think of the last time. Like I think I was pretty certain that Gideon Zellalem was going to be the truth. I don't think I had that same feeling about Julian Green, but there have been times when I have just been like, there's no doubt this guy's going to be so good for the national team. And then it doesn't go anywhere that I think I am routinely very slow, if not the last person to jump on certain bandwagons, certain hype trains. And so I think I'm just always, you're very, you're very slow to jump on hype trains. Yeah. Yeah. Which isn't always the most fun thing. Probably to your credit. Yeah. I, I guess, I don't know. I mean, like I wish there was, I'm just trying to think of like a player that I watch so consistently that I'm like, yes, this dude, I love it every single time. It probably is Weston McKinney. And a lot of it is, like I tend to gravitate towards weird stuff like celebrations and interactions with teammates and he seems to be like the best locker room guy you could hope for like he trash talks he plays games he can be goofy he can be serious his interviews are always really good he sticks around yeah. to answer questions and I think like I really like Weston McKinney as an individual and maybe that's where I am with people is like if I can get on board with with who they are or what they bring to the team then maybe I'm a bit more inclined to jump on those hype trains but yeah I guess I'm not quite there with Brendan Aronson and when people get super excited I'm always like but I want to know why without sounding like a jerk and being like but why he's just like some guy who cares it's more of a like 
what? Everybody's into this guy, and I want to be in there, too. Can somebody explain it to me? And it usually just ends up being like, he's really good. What are you talking about? So I appreciate you even going with things like half turn, which you're totally right. Now that I think about it, the way he can open up, the way he kind of anticipates pressure, and then at the same time isn't just sort of like, hey, I did that. Like, I pulled it off. He's like already on to the next thing. I think that progression in his play is definitely a strong thing. Maybe he goes to Celtic, too, and we just keep – it's a Philly to Celtic train because I think both of them would get minutes there, and I think that could work out for both of them. So – I'm fine with that one. Uh, if you're okay with them both moving to Scotland, I'm okay with it. I mean, I don't think it's I don't think it's like imperative or anything. I do want to say about Weston. I think mm-hmm. uh, what what you said made me think of it. He's kind of a benevolent alpha male, you know. Yeah, and that's the, well and said. The world mm-hmm. and the world needs more of that. I agree. I agree. It's yeah. It's like. You can be that person, but you can also be calm and quiet and introspective. I'm good with yeah. that, too. Yeah. Um, I don't really know what Sergio Dest's style uh, or personality or temperament are, aside from wanting to be the most expensive fullback, I think was his quote. Uh, yeah. I have been critical of his 1v1 defending in the past. Uh, some people have been frustrated by that. Uh, I know you guys were pretty hyped about Kobe Hernandez-Foster and Louisville's uh, Jonathan Gomez, both of whom seem like pretty attacking fullbacks in yeah. my mind. Do you feel like we're moving towards a time with the U S men's national team where we will see sort of very consistent, like we will consistently see attacks starting with those fullbacks and our fullbacks being very much involved in the attack. I'm not saying that the next Marcelo, I know you don't want to say that one, but like yeah. Marcelo esque is, I believe what you actually said. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do think that's what, that's what we're moving toward. We got, I mean, some of what Berhalter has said, and you guys covered this really well in that episode you did about his press conference which I thought was fantastic. Thank you. He, he said, um, you know, Wait, did, you mean us? About, did you mean we were fantastic or his press conference was fantastic? Well, I didn't hear the press conference because okay. it was, it was only for a quote unquote national media. <laughs> Neither did we. If it has. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they, uh, he, he's been talking about having two pressing eights, right. Mm-hmm. In front of a dis- distributing six. And to me that says, so that would be like McKinney and Adams. I think it's pretty clear as the eights and then Ewell as the six. That to me says you wanna you wanna get the fullbacks from both sides involved, or at least suggests that that's the plan. Mm. And I and I think you know Kobe Hernandez Foster has a long ways to go. We haven't I haven't even seen him play soccer for more than a year. Yeah. Uh, well, no, I saw him play in the U seventeen World Cup as a center back, and he's like five six or five seven. But he does he does fit the profile of like a, a, a fullback who likes to get forward can can whip in a delightful cross mm-hmm. can even score and and Jonathan Gomez is the same they're both good at combining we'll let those guys you know we'll keep those guys on the back burner mm-hmm. but I do have high hopes that they could be that kind of fullback for us someday but if we do move to that system and this has been a thing we've talked about a lot because we always get the question of why isn't Anthony Anthony Robinson called in more and the argument has been because Berhalter it seemed wants to use the right back as the more attacking one left back and be like Tim Ream and it becomes like a yeah. third center back if we do move to both fullbacks getting forward intermittently or at the same time potentially, does that then make it more logical to have Anthony Robinson in the squad more regularly? Or do you still have other concerns with his gameplay aside from just the defensive mistakes we've seen for the national team in the past? No, it definitely makes more sense to bring in Anthony Robinson now, I think. Uh, and and I think his defending has improved. I mean, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to say anything that conclusively, but just based on the clips that I've been watching – he looks like he's he's locking it down a little bit more mm-hmm. at left back. Where's he going to end up? What's the what's the word out of Albion? 
I mean, I don't know. Um, I mean, I think with them getting relegated, I think I read the other day that now his release clause is even lower than it would have been. Like, I think it's only two million, if not even less than that. So yeah. he could really go anywhere because I think he's proven himself to be at least at the level where he could be a reliable depth option. I think that's what Milan were looking for him to be in the first place. I just want him to go somewhere where he... I think this is the big thing with a lot of the players we're going to be talking about and already have. I would rather him go to a place where he might not necessarily be a starter right away, but he's also going to have to develop his game to suit what the team is doing. I don't want it to just be a, hey, we need a fast guy who can run down the flank. That's maybe an oversimplification for what a lot of managers do, aside from a couple in the Premier League. But like, I, I think I would rather see him be utilized as a more lockdown defender who can then also get forward and sort of learn some new skill sets or develop those accordingly. I think that would be fine with me. That said, if he goes anywhere where he's going to play and I might be able to see him a bit more regularly for a team that maybe weren't lost in a poker game is the story that I'm going with right now. That would be fine, too. I don't think Wigan yeah. is the most stable situation at present. No. Yeah, it does it does seem to me the most likely outcome is another championship side mm-hmm. for this for this fall, but who can say? Who can say? We can he say does that, a lot oh, ahead, he does that rec, he does that reckless bombing up the flank that uh we love to see. But you're right, he it would be nice for him to play for a club where he has to he has to sort of round out his game and figure out how to like not allow goals to happen up his side of the field. If we did see him then called in for the national team, and I think there are rumors that he was going to be uh, if the whole global pandemic situation had not occurred. Uh, like, how, how do you feel about that? Like, are you thinking then when we see him played in a sort of conventional left back role or do you think that means Burhalter is trying to do something different? Well, conventional meaning not getting forward that yeah, much. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Or, or more limited than, say, his right back counterpart. I think if... I think if Berhalter brings him in, he's he's got to want to use him getting forward, like yeah. I guess the the unconventional, more modern uh, style of fullback. Right. And I think that you know that should be fine as, against most of the teams we play against. We'll see how what happens against Mexico. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, so all right, so if we're talking about Anthony Robinson, then we, we want to see him just get a little bit better maybe in his defending, even if we haven't been able to see as much of him to know for sure if he has. But like I know you, like me, sort of watch random moments of Y Scout. I try to avoid best actions, but instead avoid at the very least like the automatic video report or whatever it is. Uh what what do you see from him there that gets you excited, or what do you see from him in some of those clips that makes you less than excited? Well, he's a former winger, mm-hmm. right? who so he so he can he can eliminate people on the dribble and create which just creates a lot of chaos for the other team you know when when the left back comes forward and then does a couple people that's uh that's difficult for uh, uh the opponent to deal with i guess what i the the area of improvement that i would talk about is similar to west mckinney just consistency on every action like when he gets in a good space put in a good ball every time when he when he ends up one v one, don't get beat every time. Um, when he's like trying to combine up the flank, let's 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 get everything a little more polished, a little more consistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like that because maybe that sounds like too simplistic or too harsh or whatever. But it's the case that if I see a player receive a ball and 
say one out of every three times that ball pops up a little bit or just goes a little bit too far forward, that to me, while it might not necessarily be a critical error, it still is a sloppiness. It's still a lack of sharpness that you don't want to see. And if that becomes one out of every five or six or ten passes or balls received, that's the sort of development I think I look yeah. for in a lot of different players, and that's a thing I would like to see from him. Certainly, I would like to see maybe better passing from Cameron Carter-Vickers. That has long been my complaint about him and my issue mm. with him and why he doesn't get more consideration where are you when it comes to Cameron Carter-Vickers? I'm not putting a lot of stock in him for that reason. I think he, I think he's a, you know, he's a solid depth piece in the player pool at center back. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't even, I don't even pay that. I'm going to get hate mail for this, but I don't even pay that much attention to him anymore. I mean, it, he was playing for Luton Town, who who just barely avoided relegation this season. I think is likely to go back there. But I say that just to say that I don't think you're, you can really get too much criticism for not watching a center back for a bottom of the table in the championship team. Right. That's my feeling. Yeah. I yeah, won't give you hate at least. He's Thank you. He's, he's, a, um, you know, he's a very physical defender. Um, and there's and like strong in the air, strong in the tackle, and there's something to be said for that. But he is also like he he's he can be pretty reckless, and I know I don't know how much he's ironed that out of his game, but that's definitely been a problem. And then you know on the ball, he's he's not hitting line breaking passes, and he he looks he can look skittish with the ball at his feet. Hey, everybody, this is Taylor interrupting one more time, the last time, ideally, uh, to let you know that this episode of the Total Soccer Show is brought to you by Manscaped. We've talked about Manscaped many, many times. We'll probably talk about them some more. They have everything you need to get your full-body grooming game on point from head to toe, uh, including toenails and fingernails, because they've got the Shears 2.0 luxury four-piece nail kit that works for both toenails and fingernails. They've got both in there. Then there's the Perfect Package 3.0 kit, which comes with the Essential Lawnmower 3.0. That's water resistant, a cordless body trimmer, a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. There are moisturizers, there are skincare, shower products, all that good stuff. Many, many, many things to make you feel groomed and fresh and ready to go at a time in the summer, at least in Virginia, when it is not easy to feel very fresh. You walk outside, you're instantly sweating. It's like 90 degrees with, I think, 140% humidity, something like that. Uh, so with Manscaped, you can feel a little bit fresh a little bit clean, which is always the nice thing. You can also get 20% off, which itself is quite nice, and free shipping, also nice, with the code TSS20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code TSS20. Summer is here. It's time to manscape. On that note, I guess we'll have to find out if Bell's manscapes, but we'll get back to Adam Bell's right now. We talked about like the ideal center back pairing when it comes to being in possession. From a just a general standpoint, we've talked four different center backs, I think, at this moment. What's the center back pairing you're most comfortable with if Greg Berhalter's going with that four three three? Who would you like to see if everybody's fit and healthy and ready to go as our two starting center backs? Well, I think Brooks is in pen for most people, right? Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. Um and so then the question is, who's the right center back? And I think with Brooks, you get a lot of distributional capacity. So you can, I mean, this has been the, the format for a while. You can you can have a right center back who's just more of a pure defender. So Cameron Carter-Vickers, a Cameron Carter-Vickers type isn't like so beyond the pale for that role. Aaron Long has been the first choice lately. I'm not sure how much that is 
merit based and how much it's just sort of the inertia of the player pool. Mm-hmm. He did. He didn't look fantastic in the MLS's hashtag MLS's back tournament. Yeah, he's in the group, basically. That <laughs> right. Berhalter always talks about. Yeah. Yeah, he's in the group, and and I so I think that position is kind of up for grabs right now. Mm-hmm. You know, Chris Richards goes and plays for Dinamo Dresden or whatever, and has a good fall. I think he should be right in the mix. Um, Mark McKenzie, if he you know takes some steps forward, he should be he should be in the mix too. What about Miazga? And, yeah, same, same. I mean, I, hard for me to get too hyped about Miazga at this point. He's just been such a journeyman, but uh, I'm rooting for him. And he, I, yeah, you know, maybe maybe Miazga is the next man up after Aaron Long for me, because he at least he has a great mentality. He's kind of a mean dude. We need a little bit of that. Yeah, he's been known to grab. <laughs> <laughs> I think grab an elbow and measure height. Yeah. Those are the three yeah, things that I think of height, yeah. Yeah, when I come to Miazga. Like, with him, is he a product of just going to Chelsea and that, like, he is just going to keep getting loaned out so he'll never get the focus he needs? Or do you think that is sort of, uh, like, more so indicative of, of his overall gameplay that he's not yet consistent enough that they even sort of see the value in developing him? Like, is there, are there a couple of things that you really think he needs to work on in order to be in that automatic conversation? Or do you think it is just that he's one of those Chelsea loanies and until he's not, he will be? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's the latter. I don't know exactly what he needs to work on. He's, I don't think he's like plus plus at mm-hmm. any particular thing. He's also not really bad at anything. Um, and he's good in the air. He's good. He's he's threat on set pieces. So I, I I guess as I'm talking, I'm sort of talking myself into being more excited about Matt Miazga. Mm-hmm. I wanna I just want to see wh- where he ends up, how he plays this fall, and he does not seem to be in Berhalter's good graces though, right? He's been left off a couple rosters mm-hmm. in the past yeah. six months. I don't. I'm not sure why. Yeah, that's interesting. Months. Yeah, I knew what you meant. I was like, well, six months, I think we can understand a little bit. Yeah, like, and I think that's where, that's the other reason why I'm, I'm not as quick to jump on or off bandwagons is just because I also think, like, if I'm like, oh, Matt Miazga is just not good enough, but then he keeps getting called in or Aaron Long or whomever, I don't want to then be sort of automatically in a situation where I'm like, well, he should have been called in. So I already don't like this roster. I'd rather see what Burhalter's thinking. And I'm with you then that I think there's nothing really glaring about Miazga's game one way or the other. So I'm, I'm inclined to chalk that one up to Chelsea just loaning out a million players, which is something I think tends to happen with larger clubs. I'm wondering if that will happen at Norwich with uh, Sebastian Soto, who I believe just confirmed they're moving. he's moving there. He made five appearances with Hanover this season, and I have absolutely no idea what to think about this move. Daryl was really positive about it. He was pretty hyped about it. He thought this could go really well. Do you like this move for him, or would you have rather seen him either stay with a maybe two Bundesliga team or a lower Bundesliga squad and see if he can make his way through? Or are you just okay with him sort of making the jump and seeing what happens next? Yeah, it's me sort of shrugging my shoulders. I I I think it's fine. You know, he ended up he's he's going to be on loan at Telstar, which is in the second division of the Netherlands, mm-hmm. which at this point I'm not sure he there's going to be demand for him at a higher level than that. Uh, that's the same division that Richie Ledesma, Alex Mendez, and Chris Gloucester play in. Same team that An- Andrea Novakovic played in yeah. a couple years ago. So uh, we'll see. You know, I mean, if 
I don't think he's like uh, he's not like Josie Altidore at 19, mm-hmm. you know, where you thought like this is a this is a potentially elite striker. He's he's smart. He's a he he moves intelligently in the box, and I think his hold up play is kind of okay. We just have to you just have to see how he develops. I I don't I don't hate the move. I guess long story short. I think the the Novakovic one you mentioned is where I am with it because that's like he's at Reading for forever. It's Reading who don't release him right for the for right. the World Cup. Yeah, and and then he has these loans and now he's uh, with Frosinone, I think. But it, it didn't quite have that trajectory we had hoped for, and I feel like that is my fear with uh, Soto. But I guess I should wait and see how it all plays out before I get too nervous about things. That's not really my jam. I prefer to get preventatively nervous, but I suppose I can wait if you're willing to wait as well. Well, I mean, if he doesn't. If he doesn't, if he isn't a really standout performer for Telstar this year, I think it's fair to sort of remove him from the national team discussion for a little while. Okay. You know, all right, I like that. So, what does that look like then? Is it like consistent goals? Is it a goal every four or five games? Like, what would you like to see from him that will make you think, like, okay, he is increasing his performance, raising his ability? Well, you can't, as they say on Extra Time, you can't just watch the, you can't just look at the stats. You got to mm-hmm. watch the games. But, um, you know, stats-wise, 15 goals would be great. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you can't just I mean, watch the stats. That said, 15 goals. Yeah, okay, I'm with no, you. I mean, if he's, you know, if he's, crea- if he's creating a lot of danger and, um, you know, yeah. putting up a lot of underlying stats like XG and stuff, ex- expected goals, great. That, that would be fine, even if he's not scoring goals. I do appreciate the question. It, it, it definitely does. I was mostly thinking about how I appreciate that in listening to your show, you guys have a lot deeper references when it comes to certain terms and analytics and ways of tracking data. I appreciate that you said XG and then said expected goals just in case I wasn't quite there. Thank you for that. Sir. Well, I knew Thank you. you were there. But... <laughs> I know you're, 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 uh, you're a gentleman and a scholar when it comes to the audience, but I do appreciate you <laughs> like, to, like, you know, going kid gloves with me on some of the analytics stuff. Cause I will admit I am, have been slow to, to get on board with that. I think stats bomb the other day were like, we're now measuring, xg in relation to like placement of, of the goal and i was just like the, oh, lots brother. of people were very excited about that and i was just like that is a thing that i am I, that is a foreign language to me that i probably need to learn uh maybe i will i'm in some group chats with some dudes from american soccer analysis mm-hmm. and they're uh i mean they're all like phds or like ah. it's it's beyond me i'm not <laughs> i'm not there uh, and then I don't even know how to log into the group chat. So there we go. Uh, <laughs> Daryl is not here, obviously. Uh, I still feel like we should talk Wolves for a moment. You mentioned him previously. Uh, Owen Otisoe was one of your higher picks in the draft. Is he in a similar situation to Chris Richards in that he's doing okay, but isn't a team where he me- might never get a chance to break through? Like what? And if so, what do you think he might be able to do to change that? Is it alone, or are there maybe potential opportunities if he can improve his passing or his defensive presence or defensive awareness? Uh, yeah, I think he's. I think he should probably go on loan. I mean, Wolves are basically competing with Manchester United for a top four spot these days, right? Yep. In the Premier League. They're arguably better than Manchester United. I'm just kidding. I'm I mean, kidding. I, I, you had me thinking for a moment. I, they are, they no. do consistently, when Daryl and I do the jersey rivalry in the office, it is more often a Wolves jersey hanging from the door instead of a Man United jersey. So, really? I take your point. Yeah. No, it's, they're the bogey team. Going back to 
man, I guess like 2012, I think it was. Like, Ben United started the season unbeaten, and it was Wolves that ended that one. And that was Wolves in their garbage years, and now they're in their less garbage years. Yeah, no, I think it's a fair shout. I think that's also a good way to explain that it's not just like some mid-table Premier League team where maybe he'll get some chances. Like, you're right. It's a team challenging for European places consistently, even if Darrow doesn't want to put that pressure on them. So then, yeah, I think a loan makes complete sense. Are there certain leagues where you like to see your teams, where you like to see young defenders or any sort of young American get a loan where you feel like, okay, they are going to get a chance to develop. They are going to get minutes that aren't just sort of like, okay, they're going to go there and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think any championship side where he gets regular minutes is would be a positive outcome. And I did see the, I mean, who knows about any of these rumors, but I saw a rumor that he was going to go to Luton Town, you know, where um, Cameron Carter Vickers just was. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think that'd be fine. Really? I think that'd be fine okay. for him. You know, he's been playing mostly in for the Wolves U23s, so he needs to get first team minutes. I thought he looked fine in his cameos for Wolverhampton. I think he had one in Europa League. I thought he looked fine. Um, big rangy player yep. can play defensive midfield or center back. I mean, for the U.S.'s purposes, if he chooses to play for the U.S., I sure hope he ends up as a center back because we need that. We need improvement at that position. That's like my axe to grind. Center back is uh, is something where we need to get better a lot. It is the strangest position I think right now in the pool because it is the one where it feels like we have a ton of depth. Like striker. The, there's just very clearly not not depth there. There's like three candidates you can right. talk about, but none of them you're like, yep, it's this person for sure, and I feel great about it. Like, it's probably Josie Altador, but obviously that's going to lead to a lot of frustrated people and frustrated reaction. Center it's Josie Altador. It, it, it is, yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. Josie, Giassi, Josh Sargent, I feel like, is pretty much the order right now. We'll see if that changes. Abobase, or excuse me, Ibobisi. I still can't really say it properly, but I'm trying. Uh, he's in that conversation too. But like all that to say that you have the striker position where it's like, yeah, we definitely need more strength there. We definitely got to figure that one out. But center back, we got tons of center backs. We're fine. And then you look at it a bit more in depth and you think like, John Brooks is good, is very injury prone. Aside from that, like it is a toss up as to who else is in there. I'm with you that I think it yeah. is a position of like, apparent strength but in a lot of ways also evident weakness yeah it's it's i mean you explained it well if we if we want to win the world cup in 2022 taylor we need to uh obviously that's we the need goal. to get we need a couple elite center backs to emerge and because so we... there is a ton of okay center backs in our pool but nobody who's like mm, he's really good except for brooks and like you said he's injury prone and he's he's on skates a little bit defensively some really, really slow skates that need oil on the wheels. <laughs> uh, I don't know how fast Ona Desoe is, but I will say that you talking about Josie Altador and how he looked versus Sebastian Soto made me think of just how big Owen Odesoe looks when he's playing for that uh, Wolves U23, Wolves reserve team. He definitely seems like he could handle the physicality of the championship already. So I think that's yeah. a good shot. I wouldn't mind seeing him go somewhere where he gets those reps, even if it's not going to be a team that play exactly like Wolves or focus exactly on the things he needs to develop the way I would like to see with, say, Brendan Aronson or even Mark McKenzie. I think at this point, I just want to see him get minutes 
to see how he does at the professional level, and then we can evaluate from there. I, the same thing, honestly, goes for Timothy Weah as well. That I want to see Timothy Weah get minutes. It's just for a very different reason. We haven't seen very much of him. He's been oft injured. Really, it's been a long time since I have watched him with any level of consistency. Where do you think he fits in if he is sort of back to full fitness, is getting at least some minutes? Where would you put him in the U.S. starting 11 or on the bench, and where would he be on the field for you? Hmm. He would be well. We got to see how he comes back from these injuries. These were serious injuries, right? Two really bad hamstring pulls. I think both of hamstring tears. I think both of his legs. Uh, and I don't know. You know, not everybody always comes back a hundred percent from those. So we'll see how he looks physically. I, nobody's seen him play since the first week of the of Liga. Uh. Yeah. So I. I think he's, you know, Greg Velasquez, my co-host, is a big Timmy Weah fan. He loves the way he he tucks in and facilitates play and can also run in behind. Um, he's got a lot of great tools. Um, I think he's probably, for now, on the bench behind Jordan Morris and Gio Reyna. You can switch that order if you like. Uh, I mean, I'm thinking Pulisic on the left wing yeah. and Reyna or Morris on the right wing. Oh, okay. I was going to say, are you not including Pulisic? Now I understand. I'm with you again. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So I think he's he's probably fourth in the winger depth chart if if he's healthy and performing. But it, like like a lot of these guys, we got to see how he we got to see how he looks in October and November for for Lille. I mean, Lille's lost a lot of talent over True. the last couple of years, so he, he should get opportunities. And he's back in full contact training. He just isn't. He just isn't in friendly rosters yet. True. All right. So, so Wea could theoretically play striker. Obviously, uh, has been utilized more out wide. Is there a player that you think, if things got truly dire and we just could not find a consistent goal threat, consistent player who, or not even a goal threat, but a player who does what Greg Berhalter wants, who kind of makes the runs, knows how to find space, knows how to vacate space for other players to occupy? Are there any players that we've either talked about or not talked about that you think? could be in that conversation like we had a lister question about could Giorena be a striker i guess i'm asking could timothy way be a striker are there other players in the pool who you think could be that goal scoring threat the united states really needs in my opinion i used to be opposed to way as a striker but um i think it's partly because i thought Sargent was going to be better than he's turned out to be so far but now i i'm i'm totally i'd be totally happy to see okay way striker I, I, particularly the way burhalter likes the striker to drop deep and connect play. I think Wea excels at that. And he's I think he's I think his movement both outside and inside the box is much more ruthless, much more intelligent than Josh Sargent's. So I'd be I'd be happy to see Wea at striker. I have no idea if Burhalter feels that way. Uh, well, I think we both won't be getting him on the show, but we could still do our theoretical questions. I like the show that you all did, where, where you went through the questions you would have asked. You guys did that a while back, right? I did that with Ernie Stewart, yeah. <laughs> oh, Ernie Stewart, Ernie that's Stewart. what it was. Yeah. That was I, I enjoyed that immensely. The, federa- the Federation did not enjoy that. Really? No, no, they did not. Oh, boy. All right. Well, I thought it was yeah. funny and interesting as well. Um, I, got some, I got some demerits. I got oh, some no. Demerits. Yeah. S- some some J demerits? You're welcome for that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I feel so bad about that. I, if Daryl did that, I would make an audible sigh. Um, Daryl. I like Thank you. Daryl and I talked about a lot of the players that we've uh, spoken about. We did not talk about a few that were in your draft. Are there any that you are particularly excited about with this coming season? I mentioned Richie Ledesma. That was 
serious, but also a joke a little bit. Uh, we haven't even talked about Yulianas. We haven't talked about, say, Chris Gloucester. Are, are there players that you think could be poised for a very strong uh, season this coming season? Hard to predict, but I think there's a there's a it's totally within the realm of possibility that Ledesma, Yanez, or Gloucester could emerge as a first team player for their club, and that would be huge news, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, to be a first team player for PSV or Wolfsburg at their ages is uh, is a major accomplishment, and um, I, I, I like all all three of those players a lot. I think Gloucester's a little bit more of a stay at home type left back than. Than the aforementioned Hernandez Foster or Gomez. I'm talking about in terms of type, you know. Yeah. Um, but he can get forward a little bit, and and he's a, I think he's a better defender than the other two at this stage in his career. He went he went a little bit lower in your draft than I would have thought, especially when you all were talking about like needing fullbacks. It seemed like he kind of wasn't an automatic like talking point. Is there any particular reason for that, or was it just the rigors of the draft and the stresses therein? Just the mechanics of the draft because he, I saw, I think Gomez and Hernandez Foster both went pretty early in the draft. And I was like, well, nobody's going to pick Gloucester now. Oh, yeah. That's the way it goes, right? Yeah. They don't need a left back. So I can just keep him on the back burner. And I don't think I took him with my last pick, but it was pretty close because I knew he wasn't going to get taken. Who who was the most strategic drafter? Because I think it might have been you, but I, I'm wondering what your thoughts were there. Because you do have to sort of look at the the vulnerable positions versus the ones where there are a ton of options. And even if there's like Gio Reyna is one of your potential picks, you might go for the player that like is the standout center back because we don't have other center backs. Yeah, I I mean I would have gone with a center back for my first two picks basically no matter what. But that got me nothing because the public voted for Sanjeev's roster, <laughs> even though he, even though he picked two center backs that you know nobody's seen. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> no bitterness here at all, guys. But but those center backs are are significantly weaker than the ones that Waki and I took. Is anyway, there, people are probably tired of hearing about this. Draft. I, I, I found it fascinating and I'm, and I okay. don't care if they're tired of it. Cause I'm going to ask you one more question. Then I will okay. let you go. Is there a player or players that you wish you could include in your squad? Like if you were going to actually build your team, but you could add in one or two other ones, who would you throw in there? I'm assuming Gio Reyna is in that conversation, but who else might be a player that you would poach? Yeah. I mean, Again, all of these guys are reaches. A lot, most of them are reaches, I should say. So we don't know who's going to end up being good. But I, I really like Hernandez Foster and Jonathan Gomez. I, I like their potential. I like the way they play. And given that left back has been such a difficult position for us to fill with quality over the last forever. <laughs> uh, yep. It's, it's, um, I think it's really exciting that we have these two sort of high-end potential left backs coming up through the ranks. And Gomez, you know, Gomez playing at Louisville City in USL, but he's only 16. And Hernandez Foster just turned 18, and he's been sort of out of commission for visa immigration type reasons for the last year. So there's hopefully big things coming from those two. And either one of them would have been cool, even though I do like Gloucester. I do like Gloucester mm-hmm. a lot. Man, I, I laugh very hard at that because when Daryl and I did our, like, if you're drafting an all-time starting 11 for the national team, you can sort of find a player for every position. 
I th- we may have ended up with DeMarcus Beasley as our starting left back. Like that is where that position is. So I'm with you that it would be nice to have a lot of depth there or at least a couple different like viable options as opposed to can we make a center midfielder play left back? Would that be okay? I'm good with that. <laughs> well, I'm good with that. Jurgen Klinsmann did that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm less good with that. Beasley, Beasley is the best one, isn't he? I mean, he's the best left back we've had. Or, or Bornstein. It's your it's yeah. your choice. It's your choice. Yes, I th- I'll go with Be- Beasley until somebody else takes that spot. And when they do, I'm sure we'll have you back on to talk about it, either myself or Daryl, since now it could be either one. You never know. But for now, uh, Adam Bell, thank you very much for taking all of the time to chat with me about the national team pool, about your draft, about young players, all the many good things there. Uh, if people want to hear more from you or find out more about you, how can they do so? Uh, Twitter at Zleb Mata, which is my name backwards. You can just type in scuffed and you'll find it. Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah, we actually have a YouTube channel now. We're trying to do we're trying to do some shows on YouTube, so th- that's also called scuffed. And you know, our podcast is on all the platforms. The Scuffed Soccer Podcast. There we go. It is always enjoyable, and it was very enjoyable to have you on the show, Adam. Thank you once again for taking the time. Thanks a lot, Taylor. Mm-hmm.